views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Welcome to Lime Talk Radio with Dr. Pat Basili. Epic healing for an epic life. This inspiring show highlights leading-edge solutions, groundbreaking research, headline topics, and tools for holistic healing and wellness. This hit show is dedicated to raising awareness, promoting advocacy and prevention, and supporting initiatives for optimal health. Dr. Pat is passionate and focused on life-saving results reaching far beyond Lyme disease, providing a forum for powerful stories, heart-opening experiences, and hope-activated solutions. Dr. Pat will shine a light on the many shades of Lyme disease fueled by a body-mind-spirit remedy. Now here's your host, Dr. Pat. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tuning us in and turning us on. And, you know, many of you have asked me, like, okay, how long have you been doing this show? When did you first start to talk about Lyme disease? And, you know, Dr. Dempsey's joining me here today, but I want to say this. She, you know, she's going to chime in. Um, We started doing a show on Lyme disease. I said it was 10 years, but it was, it's actually before that. One of the first shows we did was, I believe, in either 6, 06, or 05 with Dr. Nusheen Darvish, a natural doctor in Washington State who would not take no for an answer that Lyme disease did not live in Washington State uh, because the number of people that were surfacing, not with your traditional CDC test, but with the many other ways now that we have um, led to the forefront. We decided we were going to do a show. This is Lime Talk Radio, and we're not going away. Also, Lime Global. And you're going to hear me later on in the show thank the Exploding Kittens people who created the Exploding Kittens game for allowing us to create a digital version as well as a phone app called Exploding Ticks, and you're going to hear lots about that. But today, today, I am so thrilled to have Dr. Tanya Dempsey joining me here today. Why Bardanella is the new line. And let me tell you, when I say Bardanella, I am not talking about a fine Italian wine here. So for many of you, you're going to get some information, education about this. But most importantly, what is the narrative today about Lyme that is so important to have that we're just not having enough of it? Now, I want to just say this. Dr. Dempsey is a chronic disease expert, autoimmune, mast cell activation syndrome, you name it. You know, she is one of the most sought after internationally known for her chronic immune dysregulation and much more. So here's what I want to say this, whether you know her from, you know, having a patient uh, existence from the UK, whether you know her from the work that she's doing in the United States, whether you know her from the many people she is healing and helping, the one thing you want to know is she will not go silently in the night about this conversation. So today, I want to make sure you know that this show is so much about who she is, all of the years she studied, 
everything she's done, you know, at Greenwich, Connecticut, all of the above she's done, it is to come to the forefront and say the following, this thing actually does exist. Today, we're going to be talking about where she was, where she is today, and where are we going when it comes to a dialogue about Lyme disease. Dr. Dempsey, it's great to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dr. Pat, and thank you for the work that you've done in bringing the awareness out there for, for, for people on this horrible disease. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I said something to you before the break, and I, I think I would like mm-hmm. to start there. Um, sure. I said to you that, you know, our, our research, albeit not like a double-blind study or anything like that, but our research is now indicating that... Yes, Lyme is deadly, but what is it that the general population is now now really doing? It is so scary that people, even though they may suspect, have symptoms, all of the above, right, will not go and get anything further than the typical CDC test. If that comes back, no, you don't. End of the conversation. Can I ask you to weigh in on that, Mm -hmm. on what you think is happening? Well, I think there are actually several things at play. So number one, there's a fear factor for sure. And, and, you know, the more uh, the news gets out there about Lyme, the scarier it sounds. And people don't want to know uh, that that could be what they have because they've seen, they've seen family members, neighbors, People on TV suffer, and and for them to get that diagnosis, you know, to them it, it sounds like a, a death sentence. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that is one, you know, uh, obstacle. Now, the other issue at play, I think, is really coming from the medical world, and yeah. that is that um, a lot of you know doctors, and and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, but mm-hmm. you know, the thought is that if they test the patient for Lyme disease, and it is either CDC negative or, um, or not even, you know, or doesn't even, uh, yeah, I don't, well, it, it's debatable how you want to read CDC uh, uh, reports. Well, let, but, well, let's just so give let's an example, say, because if you go, yeah. listen, this is a real experience. What you said is point on. When you go to CDC and get a test, they don't look at, I call them panels. This is my ignorance. They don't right. look across the right. board and say, hey, dude, you got like three of five. They say, oopsie, you don't have all five. You don't have it. Exactly. And, and but they're not even doing that, that part where they're not even doing the bands, the Western blot, right. we call right. it. Often they're just doing a screening ELISA test. Yes. Um, which for many reasons is just completely inaccurate. So, so the problem is that if patients are even lucky enough for, for a doctor to think about Lyme and they're willing to get tested, if the Lyme is negative, right, the, the hunt ends there. And the problem is that uh, the medical world is not thinking about the other insect-borne, tick-borne, vector-borne infections mm-hmm. right. that are coming from ticks or other insects, which we will definitely cover today. Yep. Yep. And so if yep. you don't think about those things and you just say the patient doesn't have Lyme disease, you're missing millions of people. Millions. Thank you. That's Thank you have. for not saying thousands because we now know. <laughs> Right. I mean, what did we go from like a couple of hundred then? Okay. 
Let's talk about that for a minute because I don't know of anyone that has gone down this path that hasn't found, you know, a reputable doctor like yourself who hasn't said, yeah, you got Lyme and then you've got these other co-infections. And by the way, these co-infections, they're pretty nasty. Can you talk about those for a second? Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the common uh, co-infections, and, and I'm going to argue that they're really not co-infections, but, Thank you. but the ones that we, we think about um, are Babesia, which is a parasite, mm-hmm. um, a parasitic infection, uh, Bartonella, which is a bacteria, which we'll definitely cover at length today, yep. uh, and then there are others like Ehrlichiosis, Anaplasma, you know, those are the common uh, ones that uh, a lot of Lyme literate doctors are, are treating. The problem is that they're not necessarily co-infections. Thank you. So I have patients who do not have Lyme disease. And, and again, to clarify, Lyme disease is caused by one organism, Borrelia mm-hmm. burgdorferi. Now, there are other strains of Borrelia that cause Lyme disease, but it's not, it's not, Lyme disease is not Bartonella. It is Lyme. The problem is that patients who don't test positive for Borrelia burgdorferi they can still test positive for these other infections. And so I really don't look at them as co-infections at all because they are individual infections in their own right causing debilitating symptoms. Right, right. Let's talk about debilitating for a minute because this is something Mm -hmm. that I I was so excited I'm so excited to talk with you about today. And for those of you out there, I just want you to know we have opened up the phone lines 1-800-930-2819, 1-800-930-2819. You know, someone interviewed me uh, and we were talking about this. It's got to go about 10 years ago. And they said to me, you know, all of a sudden there's this fibromyalgia thing that's now popping up that people don't know anything about. It's like a disease was born overnight, right? And (laughs) exactly. It's like, oh, fibromyalgia, what a fancy name, right? And so here we were sitting in our little bubble about Lyme disease. And those of us that were in the little bubble thought, Mm -hmm. hmm, yeah, we don't think that's that that much. But let's talk about the great imitator and how it is showing up. Uh, And I don't wanna just say Lyme disease, let's talk about Lyme disease and the tick-borne infections that we now are associating with it. Right, right. You know, the the effect on the body is so widespread. These infections can, can affect every organ in the body, particularly this infection, Bartonella. Um, and the research is just exploding in how it can affect every organ system in the body. And so, you know, you're going to see symptoms that overlap so many other diseases that patients are being diagnosed with. And that's why it's confusing. Um, the, the big thing that, that I'm seeing, and you talked about fibromyalgia, and I'm glad you brought that I up. I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is, is that these patients... Um, are chronically ill, they have gone to, again, numerous doctors, and if they can't explain the symptoms, right, they're getting labeled as something, right, because they need a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. It's not the right diagnosis, but they need a a diagnosis. Um, But one of the things that I'm seeing, Bartonella, 
specifically, but, but really all these insect-borne infections can do this, is it's causing a reaction in the body. It's that reaction that I think we should talk about, which is mast cell yes. activation syndrome, which is, which is one of my areas of interest. It's causing this reaction, and that is what's causing many of the symptoms that patients are suffering with. And so now we're starting to understand why these symptoms are presenting like this and why the various parts of the body are being affected. So that has helped me treat my patients understanding the mechanism of, of all that. So um, that is something that, that we should, you know, cover today because yeah. um, I think let's do it. It's, it can be life-changing. It can be life-changing yeah. for patients. Yeah, let's talk about it right now. We're going to skip the break. Um, let's talk about it right now. So right. Right. what is the journey of a patient like? And we've talked about it on many shows. So let's do the short version. You walk yeah. into a doctor, you know you don't feel well. There are many signs of you not feeling well. Everything from pain in the body to neuropathy to headaches to memory loss. It goes on and on and on. Um, if you're lucky, somebody is going to put the dots together and, and, and attempt to figure it out. If you're not so lucky, they send you to a psychiatrist because it looks uh, psychosomatic, right? Right. Um, right. But then you go down a pathway and you go down the pathway of, well, maybe, you know what, let's put her in this bucket. You know, it looks like rheumatoid arthritis right there. Let's put it in that bucket. But if it's not that bucket, it's going to be another bucket because we have these buckets of classifications, right? Right. Right. That's where it does really also start to come apart because inflammation levels don't go down you still have an inflammation level that you can't even count because it's over 300. And yet yeah. everybody's looking at you like you're doing better. Is this <laughs> really right? I mean, I would love for you to talk to this because you see people every day and none of us really know how to connect the dots the way you do. Well, you know what? It's, uh, it's very difficult, um, but the more patients I see, the more I learn, and I learn every day from my patients mm. because every patient is different. Every patient, you know, gives me information that, I can, that can help them, uh, another patient. So the only way, really, is to, to gain the experience, and, and then you help, you help others. This inflammation that we keep on talking about and a lot of Lyme specialists talk about the incredible inflammatory process and release of chemicals in the body that is that is really you know leading to down this path of pain and and um, depression and um, so many of the you know the symptoms we talk about associated with 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 these uh, infections. Um, but but the question is why you know why are these infections doing this and and what is the root cause of the problem. And if you can get to the root cause of the problem, right, then you really can uh, change a patient's life. So the root cause, the way I think about it, is the root cause is the infection or, or infections, right? But there's like another layer to that root, and that's what I call, the, that's where I put mast cell activation. It's a way of understanding the inflammation. So these mast cells are, are white blood cells. And they are our line of defense against bad things that, that our body becomes exposed to. 
Mm-hmm. And and mast cells are 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 known to help deal with allergies. Um, that's actually when I was in medical school. That's the only way I knew mast cells is I knew that they had histamine inside of them, and then if somebody was allergic to pollen, the mast cells would explode and release histamine. Wow. And histamine, which is inflammatory, it causes the eyes to run and the nose to run, and and the chest to get tight. Um, cause the, the allergic symptoms. We now know that these mast cells fight Bartonella, they fight Lyme, they fight different infections, they fight mold. So anything that your body is coming in contact with that is bad for it, these mast cells will react. Well, that's all fine and good, you know, if, if uh, they're doing what they're supposed to do to help, but inside these mast cells, they can have over 200 different chemicals outside of histamine, that they contain. And when they explode, because they're trying to deal with that bad thing that they're looking at, they're releasing these, these chemicals and causing inflammation. And so wherever these mast cells are exploding, that's where the symptom is going to be. So a lot of my uh, Lyme slash Bartonella slash mm-hmm. co-infection patients have a lot of GI symptoms. Uh, they have, a, particularly kids, we see a lot of nausea, change in appetite, um, difficulty digesting, bowel issues. And the question is why? Is it, the, is it the bug that's there or is it that the mast cells, which are in high, an abundance in the GI tract, are getting irritated? They mm-hmm. know there's something there. They know there's something that they have to do and they're exploding and they're causing significant symptoms. If you deal with the mast cell activation, if you calm these mast cells down, if you block their effects, then you can help the symptoms. You still have to get the infections. You still have to get to the root cause. But just dealing with this has made such a difference in so many of my patients' lives. Yeah, I mean... It's tremendous. It is tremendous, and there is like an old saying, gosh, I don't even know how old it is, Dr. Dempsey, but it's like, yeah, it all starts in the gut, and I don't think we actually (laughs) know how important that is, right? Right. But this is what we're talking about. The language, though, is so important in what you just said. You know, everybody's talking Lyme. Somebody asked me, Pat, when you're designing the game, you know, are you going to include some of the other characters? And I said, well, of course, but people don't even know what the other characters are. Vector-borne disease now is getting to be more and more common. Bartonella is something that we're starting to hear more about, but I'm thrilled you are not doing the co-infection thing because when you're sick you don't know what you you don't know like what what so tell us about why bardinella now needs to get center stage so the problem with bardinella is that it's transmitted Mm. by so many different vectors and, and many more than Lyme. So we know that Lyme is transmitted by ticks, right? So we're on high alert against the ticks. Um, and, and, and this year we're talking about a real, a real major issue with an explosion of the tick population. Totally. But the problem with Bartonella is that it's not only being transmitted by ticks, and we have proof that, that it is, it's being transmitted by flies, biting flies, uh, lice, fleas. 
maybe mosquitoes, um, and and maybe spiders as well, and there's some case reports of, of spider transmission. Yeah. And so now you see yeah. how difficult it is because, because you know, we're exposed to many different insects and spiders, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. So the problem with Bartonella is that it, you're gonna, we're going to see that it is much more widespread across the world. And in fact, they have, they've been mapping it and, and following the trend. And if you look at Lyme disease, and you try to overlap where Lyme is and Bartonella is, there are, there's some overlap, but Bartonella is more far-reaching because these insects and, mm-hmm. and vectors are everywhere. And, um, and so that's why we're going to hear more and more about Bartonella. And I have plenty of patients who only have Bartonella and do not have Lyme disease. And so that's why, that's why I worry about just testing for Lyme. Um, the other problem with Bartonella is that it is carried by by mammals, by 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 animals. Right. And so we know right. that you know when I was in medical school, the only way that I ever heard of Bartonella was because it was known as cat scratch fever. So we knew back then that if a cat bit you or scratched you, that you could get this infection, Bartonella Hensley. Wow. And that's because cats carry Bartonella. Well. There are cats that carry Bartonella that might have symptoms and might be, might be sick, but there are plenty of cats who don't have any symptoms that are carrying this. And, and I'm sure many of your listeners have cats, right? So oh, like, yeah, totally. Right? Yeah. And then dogs. And now we know dogs carry it as well and, and, and many other, uh, other mammals. And so there we can get it from the animals. The animals, the insects are biting the animals and then you know, biting us and infecting us. And so the transmission is just so much more, I think, uh, it could be more widespread than we, can, than we even imagine. Uh, question so coming that, in. Yeah, we got a question yeah. that came in, uh, and I want to yeah. just get it on air. Uh, a question came in from, uh, I think it's Mary Jo, Mary Jo. Um, this is a great question. Just heard you talking about cats. I have a cat. My cat doesn't look sick. How, so, so the question really is, my cat doesn't look sick. How do I know if my cat right. is cat? Wow, isn't that a good question? It's a great question. It's a great question. So, so I, mean, I think there, there are two ways you can, can deal with this. So number one is if you are having symptoms of, of what, you know, what looks like Lyme or, you know, or, or you know, there's something going on that no one can explain and you yeah. get tested and you get, and I, you know, recommend you get tested for Bartonella. Um, if you are test positive, I always recommend my patients have their, their pets tested as well. And, and veterinarians are very, are, are more in tune to Bartonella than, than, than human doctors. And so, um, you know, I think that that's a fairly easy test for them to do. But the question is, should everybody be testing their pets? And it's a difficult question. I don't know how expensive the test is, and I don't know if, if veterinarians would recommend that. But I do wonder whether that's not a, not is that something we should consider. Right. Because, you know, I don't think animals are any different than human beings. I mean, isn't it, isn't the reality that we could be carrying this around with us, as we have demonstrated time and time again, um, Lyme as well, and it's hanging out in, in us, and maybe then you go get shoulder surgery and boom, 
then things start to really come apart, like almost overnight. Um, yep. What What are we doing as uh, as doctors? Is what are we doing in, in in the messaging to people? What are we saying that they might do? Because this is really an area that you've been so successfully helpful on. You know, letting people know that there is another way to go about this. So, what is the testing? Uh, well, so that's uh, the difficult piece of it. I mean, mm-hmm. we know that uh, with Lyme, the testing is is not uh, not great for many reasons. Although we have labs now that are are probably better at identifying the Borrelia burgdorferi bacteria from Lyme. The same goes for Bartonella. Um, there is a lab uh, called the Galaxy Lab, which was was initially created by a veterinarian for pets. So this was. Uh, a Bartonella testing company that was, you know, looking at uh, animals. And uh, it slowly became uh, obvious to them that a lot of the owners of the pets were sick, and they started testing uh, humans. And so right now they are the premier Bartonella testing company um, in the country. And uh, they do a couple of different types of tests, and they screen for multiple strains of Bartonella. So Mm -hmm. most labs right now can measure maybe two strains of Bartonella. Bartonella Hensley, which is cat scratch fever, and Bartonella Quintana, which was known as trench fever, because that was um, actually transmitted by lice. And uh, those are the two that you can screen for. Most labs will do it, uh, but Galaxy can screen over over two dozen strains of Bartonella because we now know there are every, I feel like every month there's another strain that's being found. Mm-hmm. And because there are so many, if the lab is only checking two, you're gonna, you could potentially miss it if you get, were infected with a different strain. So right now that is the best lab for it. Um, I have been very lucky. I've been working with a lab called BioReference, which is kind of like a lab core quest, just I guess it's one of the big three. And they um, send their their Bartonella testing out to another lab, and they've been very successful actually at uh, identifying Bartonella in a lot of my patients, which a lot of doctors will say if they just use a regular lab, they're never going to find it. But I've been finding it even that way. So oh. a regular doctor, for, mm-hmm. for listeners, you know, want to ask their doctor for a Bartonella test, um, you know, they can say, well, how about bioreference labs, which are found almost almost all over the country? Uh, their test is excellent. I love it. We're going to take a short break, though. But when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about, okay, what do we do about it? What are some of the things that we're finding are working? And then you also, Dr. Dempsey, have a great great website and you have a great blog on this. Can you tell folks the best way to find out more about you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, you can, uh, well, I'm on Facebook, Dr. Yep. Tanya Dempsey. Uh, I do have, I have a couple of websites. My practice is called Armonk Integrative Medicine. Uh, and I also have a website, um, which is drtanyadempsey.com. And uh, there's uh, plenty of information out there about me and my practice and my philosophy in treating patients. Awesome. When we come back, we are going to talk about Let's see what's happening. What are people doing? What is Dr. Dempsey doing to get at the bottom of this 
and provide some relief for people. Are we getting closer to a, shall I say it, cure? Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. What is a brilliant culture and how do we create them? Why are they important? Claudette Rowley has created a breakthrough five-step process to help you align your culture with your business strategy for exceptional results. Looking for a culture that drives organizational excellence? Listen to Cultural Brilliance Radio, the second and fourth Friday of each month at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. To learn more or work with Claudette, visit culturalbrilliance.com. Do you feel that there's a bigger, better life for you? Is there anything holding you back from living the life you were meant to live? If you'd like to find your life's true purpose and calling, join the world's foremost authority on primal spirituality. David Carr share in Becoming a Sun Radio, emotional and spiritual intelligence for a happy, fulfilling life. Tune in once a month to Becoming a Sun Radio with David Carr share on the Dr. Pat Show and Transformation Talk Radio. For more information, visit davidcarshare.com today. How would you like increased health and vitality? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural process. Every day we are either moving toward wellness or away from wellness. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. I'd like to be your partner in achieving optimal health. Contact me now at MaryJaneMack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit MaryJaneMack.com. Take us with you on that morning commute. Download your favorite podcast from the Transformation Radio Network. Just visit transformationradio.fm. Chris Stanis is a spiritual leader and healer and teaches a course on how you can transform your life through a meditation and healing system that will manifest your spirit's dreams. She manifested the Women of Wisdom Conference, the Women of Wisdom book, and this radio show. And she can show you how to change your life, too. Are you ready? Visit the website and contact her at VoicesOfWomenToday.com. That's VoicesOfWomenToday.com. Everybody, thank you for tuning in, turning us on. Why Bartonella is the new line, Lime with Dr. Tanya Dempsey. And this is a this is a great conversation to have, educational, inspirational, but more importantly, you know, for many of you that have been really scratching your head, not really understanding all of the dialogue, this is Dr. Dempsey super eye-opening. Because this may explain much of the unexplainable for a lot of people. But let's talk about from your perspective, what some of the types of autoimmune disease are that are frequently seen with uh, someone that may have Bartonella. Yeah, you know, um, we're seeing a lot of autoimmune disease, period, right Mm -hmm. now. There's clearly uh, an epidemic. Um, we are starting to understand that the immune system is probably trying to fight something else and, and is, is then turning against itself. 
And so what is it that it's really trying to fight before it started to turn on itself? And that's what we're trying to figure out. And in, and in many cases, it, is, it can be Lyme. It can be Bartonella. Um, what I see specifically with Bartonella is um, a lot of Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is mm-hmm. an autoimmune disease of, of the thyroid. Um, and, and I've seen patients go uh, overactive, hyperthyroid, and then crash and become hypothyroid. And the thyroid is so important to the body, and it, and it really is responsible for so many different processes. So if the body's attacking it, then you're, you're losing out on the, on the benefit of that thyroid gland. So that itself will cause a lot of symptoms. Um, and the other thing that I see a tremendous amount um, in my practice is something called autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorder. Mm. In the pediatric population, it's often called PANDAS or PANS. Uh, but this is something that's affecting people of all ages, it's just that when, when it was first developed or understood, it was really thought to only be in kids. But we now know that all, uh, lots of people of all ages can get it, and it seems like Bartonella is often the trigger. And what happens is the Bar- Bartonella probably looks, has like a, a similar structure to, to pieces of our own body or nervous system, and as the body's trying to fight the Bartonella, it's looking at the nerves and the brain and, and kind of not understanding that that's really ourself and starting to attack the nerves. And as the nerves get attacked, uh, there's so many symptoms, neurologic symptoms that people get. And um, the number one, I would say, are the, are the depressions, anxieties, um, OCD behaviors that um, are are so prevalent uh, in general, but very prevalent Bartonella. And, and so that's sometimes how I try to identify patients even before I, I have results. If they have uh, depression that's gotten worse, anxiety that's gotten worse, they have, they have new kind of weird behaviors or they're start, they start becoming obsessed about certain things, right away Bartonella is on the top of my list and I'm starting to understand that they probably have a neurologic uh, autoimmune process going on. And there's actually a new test that uh, can, di- can identify that. What, what is the test? Healthy. Because that now that's breakthrough, too. Because, you know, what we're talking about is going through numerous, numerous, numerous tests. Everything from having uh, electro- electrodes hooked up to your brain, you know, to kind of, you know, blacking out, all of the above. So, uh, you know, it, that's, that has really got to be breakthrough information about a test, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is huge. You know, again, I, I, see, uh, I see people of all ages. Yeah. But I will tell you that, that depression and anxiety is, has become so prevalent and, and I understand more than ever that there's a biological organic trigger. There's something that's triggering the body to react that way. And, and almost always it's some kind of infection. And, and we need psychiatrists to understand that because these patients uh, may need medication, but if you could fix the root cause, if you can get to that infection, it changes everything, changes their nervous system. So the test that you can do is called the Cunningham Panel. The lab is known as Moleculera, 
and they now measure uh, four different antibodies that are antibodies to the nervous system. And if you have one or more of these antibodies, um, it, is, it is likely causing your symptoms. Uh, your neurologic symptoms. And um, this has helped so many of my patients understand why they feel the way they feel. When you see it on paper, you're not imagining it. You're not anxious because, well, you could be anxious for a lot of things, but, right. but often patients are thought it's in, it's in their head, they need stress management, they need meditation, and I prescribe all of that because it's so important. But if there's a biological reason, there's something in the body that's causing that no matter, you know, you can meditate, you know, forever and you're never going to get control over this uh, situation. So when you see it on paper that this is real, that, that your body is fighting your nervous system, right, then you know, then you know, and then, and then we can treat this. You know, let's talk about this. When we talk about antibodies, many people go to the doctor and they run panels, right? I mean, right. you don't have to have Lyme or you don't have to have Barnell, none of it. But, you know, you go to the doctor, they do blood work. They test you for everything. And nine times out of ten, even if you've just had an unexplained blackout, nine times out of ten, they run all the tests and they say there's nothing wrong with you. You brought something up. Very, very important, and I and I, I want to go back to it for a minute. Yeah. We now know and have known that let's just call it thyroid disease for a moment. We now know that pretty much anybody you talk to will tell you how mm-hmm. difficult it is to detect this. And my theory is that's because they're looking for something that's traditionally thyroid related. Um, but they're not really thinking about what, you know, yeah, those nodules you may have in your neck, they're really not the, that's not cancer, but they're, they're okay. Not a problem. Um, how do we discern this? What are some of the questions patients should be asking to doctors? And if they're not getting the right answers, then maybe they need to look in a different place, right? Right, right. I mean, I think that at the very least, there are several thyroid tests that everyone should have as a mm-hmm. screen. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, I remember when I was uh, in training, I, I finished my, my medical school training, I was in residency, and we were always taught, don't screen people for thyroid disease for women under the age of 40, for men under the age of 50 or 60. But I have children in my practice. I have young people in my practice who have thyroid issues. So what's the harm of screening everybody right now, Uh, especially Mm. if they're in your office and they're complaining of something? They they don't feel well. So um, thyroid antibody tests, there are two of them. They're very easy to get through through any lab. And that should be like a standard test, anti-thyroglobulin antibody and anti-thyroid peroxidase antibody. Two antibodies. You know, you probably need a tube or two to get the whole thyroid panel. Um, TSH is the traditional thyroid test that a lot of endocrinologists and primary care doctors test. The problem is that the TSH is a pituitary hormone, not a thyroid hormone. And so they are relying on information from a different gland in the body to understand the thyroid 
which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Mm. Um, it's good to do, but it's not going to give you the whole story. What you really need is you need to test thyroid hormones. And this is what most doctors are not doing. You need to test something called free T4 and free T3. You need to know what the thyroid is producing or not producing. And, 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 and last, if we can throw on one more test, I would yeah. do something called a reverse, a rever- reverse T3. And that also can be helpful. And so if I look at those tests all together, um, you know, people who say they have difficulty diagnosing thyroid issues that are not looking at, at these. So if you put them all together, you should have a pretty good view of what's going on and, and how that patient needs to be treated. Yeah. I mean, and aren't we getting a lot smarter at knowing the questions to ask? That's why you're out here speaking about it. That's why I'm speaking about it is because yep. we I think we have now new questions for a new narrative, don't we? We do. Um, absolutely. Outside of thyroid, I, I was mm-hmm. reading the blog on your website and, you know, I, I was totally just thrown, I'm telling you, like a curveball with the connection between Bardinella and diabetes. And I would be remiss if we didn't mm-hmm. have a little chit chat about that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. <laughs> well, so that's the thing. We're we're just I'm starting to understand every day mm-hmm. uh how many issues can come out of of this one infection. The thing about uh Bartonella and and actually, you know, I it could be Lyme also and other infections mm-hmm. can do do similar things is it's basically taking the endocrine system um, a hostage is kind of how I would like to mm-hmm. think of it. It's taking the endocrine system hostage and the metabolism changes and how the body processes um, the food that we eat and, and the, the types of foods that we eat, uh, whether it's proteins or carbohydrates, cha- changes. And so what we see with Bartonella very often is that people develop what's called insulin resistance. It's, it's as if their, um, their pancreas, which produces insulin oh. to help mm-hmm. them deal with their sugar, is not working properly. And their body just lets the sugar do, do its own thing and not really bring the sugar to where it needs to go. And, and then, you know, what develops out of insulin resistance is, is diabetes. So there's insulin resistance, which usually leads to weight gain, and then over time leads to diabetes. One, one, another major symptom a lot of my patients present with is weight gain. Now, if I just right. concentrated on the weight, you know, like most other people concentrate on it, and they say, okay, eat less, you know, eat less calories, work out more, um, that's not going to help these patients. Now, they have to eat better. Absolutely. And I talk to my patients at length about diet and they have to really watch their carbohydrates. I prefer gluten-free or grain-free even, but that's not going to help alone. If they have uh, an an infection underneath all this that is, you know, not allowing their body to process things properly, the weight is not going to come off. But while when we treat patients for Bartonella and they lose weight, it's pretty powerful and they start to understand, you know, the, the link. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, this is really, I mean, we hear this story over and over again, if if we actually are listening. Most people associate um, losing weight to not being well, right? Right. That that's the narrative that goes with that for a lot of for a lot of diseases. But you're absolutely right. You know, I know people that have gained 100 pounds and Mm -hmm. and honestly, you know, what kind of lifestyle change you have to have to gain 100 pounds. And (laughs) right. uh, right? I mean, and, and and especially if that's not you, especially if there's not a pattern of that with you. And yet, even with that. It takes sometimes in this particular story, it takes sometimes maybe someone like yourself that looks at integrative solutions to get to the place where, wow, your cell's not working right, right? Because right. right. that's really the issue if the cell's not. So when you look at, look back a little bit, your own journey, yeah. what you're discovering, yeah. here's the question I have. What are you most hopeful about today? That's an excellent question. Uh In general, I am a very hopeful person and I'm very optimistic. For me, just knowing that there are others out there who are on the same journey to educate people, to uh, bring the solutions to people to get the answers, right? Knowing that there are many of us out there fighting this fight is hopeful for me. Um, it's If I look back 10 years ago, it was different. There were a few people who were starting to fight the fight. Now there are more. Now it's not perfect. We still have a long way to go. But um, the more people that are involved in this uh, from, from various levels, from research to just education, um, the, the more we're going to get to the bottom of this. Um, so, you know, I think that the research is exploding, um, and I'm seeing that in the literature. Almost every week I, I see something else come out about a link between these infections and, and something else. So as long as people are still thinking about it, um, we there's a lot of hope for the future. Yeah, I, I mean, I think part of the hope is we have to find innovative ways to talk about this. I shared with yep. you that we're actually creating a game and an app uh, called Exploding Ticks, even though that's actually not what happens. <laughs> but where we've uh, the Exploding Kittens people gave us permission to use this to provide everything from fun way to think about what color clothes do you wear, so forth and so on. Because we've got to find another way to have more than just people that are affected talking about it. See, you know, uh, the people that are talking about it. Yeah. They're the celebrities that are talking about it, but the rest of the world, they can't get behind it because they're not talking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to ask you this question. Mm -hmm. Is that going to be an approach that's going to help us getting a, 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 a new level of understanding? And specifically, you're asking about this this app that you're yeah the game the and the app yeah. yeah 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 listen you know right now I mean that sounds to me very innovative and uh, different and so um, I think you're right I think the approach has to be different and um, and the question is you know really how do you reach people who don't have Lyme disease right who don't think they have Lyme disease right, right? 
And, and, and I don't know, you know, right? If they don't have Lyme disease, they're not thinking about it. Uh, but, uh, but, but, but I believe that uh, lots of people who don't have Lyme disease do have Lyme disease, and um, and bringing the awareness to them is, uh, you know, I, I don't know how you do that, but maybe this is one way. It's promising. Yeah. I don't have any, you know, yeah. uh, bright ideas in this in this area yet. Yeah. Um, I'll well, continue to think about it. Well, you know, the bright idea we have is that we want to reach a broader community because one of the things that I think we've learned here, being in the state that doesn't even recognize, doesn't even, won't even recognize that maybe, you know, the deer that have the tick or the tick or whatever it is actually cross the state line, right? It's like, no, no, they, they, they see Oh, Washington State. Oh, no, let's not go there. Um, So we have a different perspective on it. And we've had to, in this state, get the word out and get advocacy from people that may or may not even be thinking about it. And so far, so good. But the question Mm -hmm. I want to get back to is there are many ways that people can ask for information to to help them. I want to ask you about one particular test that insurance will actually cover. And Mm -hmm. someone just asked me about it. Ask Dr. Dempsey about the CCP2. I got to read this. Ask ask about the anti-CCP2 level. That must be be an inflammation level. Okay. Yeah, it's a specific test, actually, for rheumatoid arthritis. Okay. So typically, we'll do a screen for rheumatoid arthritis with something called the rheumatoid factor, or RS. Uh-huh. And, and if it's positive, we'll confirm it with an anti-CCP2 to confirm that it is, in fact, rheumatoid arthritis. It turns out that Lyme disease and, and, and Bartonella and some of these other infections can cause an elevated rheumatoid factor without actually causing rheumatoid arthritis. The Mm. anti-CCP2 helps you determine whether it's potentially true rheumatoid arthritis. Got it. So that was very helpful. Boy, that was a little question that got me stumped right there. (laughs) Uh, uh, We we have the best listeners. I'm telling you, they're so up on top of this. Um, You know, there are a couple of things that we still have time to chat about. Um, First of all, let me thank you again. And please give out your website, um, if you don't mind. Oh, absolutely. Um, So I, I do have two websites, www.armonkmed.com, and that's for my practice, Armonk Integrative Medicine. And I have my own personal website, drtanyadempsey.com, and, um, and you'll find lots of information on both. Um, the one that I'm using more and blogging more from is really my personal one, the Dr. Tanya Dempsey. Awesome. You know, we have a few minutes left, and I do want to get back yeah. to the conversation about mast cell activation um, because yeah. there are a few things we haven't talked about. So let me just cut to a simple question in three minutes, right? What should yeah. people know about this, and, 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 and how can they ask the right questions? So, yeah, that's a, <laughs> yeah. a good question. Um, You know, I think that, um, you know, number one, you know, for patients have to listen to themselves. 
they have to listen to their bodies and they have to be more in tune to, to what's going on. And so I always encourage my patients to, to if they're going to talk to other doctors, to communicate what is going on because what happens a lot is that, do- that patients rely on the doctor to tell them what's going on with them. Yeah. Yeah. And I want patients to tell the doctor. The more that, that doctors hear these symptoms, the more that they understand that, that these patients are not well, the more those doctors hopefully will, will hunt it down. The, the patients themselves should be asking questions not only of the doctors, but they should be they should be going online. I encourage my patients. You have to be careful with some information you get, but mm-hmm. but I think that there's a there's a wealth of information out there to help them help their doctors. So one of the one of the great books out there is a book by Dr. Richard Horowitz. Yes, who is really you know considered the, in my mind the, the world's expert on, on Lyme disease. He's got two books out now. Read the books. Read the books, educate yourself, and give your doctors the book to read, and 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 have those doctors help that you know help you right. So that's um, I guess my one piece of advice for people. I love it. Really, yeah, yeah. And the reason I love that is you're going to have to get self-educated on this. And now you're right, Dr. Dempsey, there are more reliable information now about this, and especially in the last four to five years, you know, than anybody ever talked about. So I wanted to thank you personally for all that you're doing to really educate and inform the population, not only about what this is, but what they can do. So thank you so much for your effort. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I feel very passionate about um, helping patients and helping people all over the world um, understand that they don't have to be sick. They, they don't have to live the way they've been living. And I think people have just, you know, sort of become um, – complacent in a way. They're told that they, no one can figure out what they have, so they just have to live with it. Don't live with it. Get the yeah. answers. Find the person that's going to help you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I wanted to say this last thing. In taking a look at the political landscape, hmm. surprisingly positive for me was one of your lawmakers in uh, New York, don't remember mm-hmm. his name, clearly speak out. Yeah. yeah, speaking out. I mean, actually yeah. said the L word, lying. <laughs> and we need more of that. We need more of that. Thank you so much for everything. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. One last Thank question, little question, personal message. Mm-hmm. What do you want to leave us with today? Personal message. Um, you know, that uh, I just want to continue uh, helping people, and um, I'm there to, uh, to educate however I can. So my, my message is, is the same, just that, um, that I am saddened by the state of the medical system out there, and I want to change it. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's rock on. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Dempsey. Yeah. Thank you all for tuning us yeah. in, turning us on. We'll see you next week on Lime Talk Radio. 
Thanks for listening to Lime Talk Radio with Dr. Pat Basili. Epic healing for an epic life. This inspiring show highlights leading-edge solutions, groundbreaking research, headline topics, and tools for holistic healing and wellness. This hit show is dedicated to raising awareness, promoting advocacy and prevention, and supporting initiatives for optimal health. Dr. Pat is passionate and focused on life-saving results reaching far beyond Lyme disease, providing a forum for powerful stories, heart-opening experiences, and hope-activated solutions. Dr. Pat will shine a light on the many shades of Lyme disease fueled by a body-mind-spirit remedy. For more information, visit LimeTalkRadio.com and tune in next time.